0: Welcome to the next generation of energy with Rosewater Energy Group. Traditionally, power availability has been the overriding objective for home automation. But 21st century advances have shifted this paradigm. It's no longer a question of power availability. The real question is, how good is your power? Our podcast explores the shifting paradigm to educate our listeners on the importance of power quality, the foundation upon which premium home automation is built. Hello and welcome to The Next Generation of Energy, a podcast from Rosewater Energy Group. I'm your host today, Tyler Kern, and as always, I'm joined by Joe Piccarilli, the CEO of Rosewater Energy. Joe, it's great to talk to you today.
1: Nice to talk to you as well, Tyler. It's the end of the week and things are good.
0: Things are good. Things are good indeed, sir. And you know, it's been a busy week for you. It's been a busy week for me. And so I'm excited to wrap up the week with uh, with an excellent podcast, uh, talking a little bit more about the formation, the genesis of Rosewater Energy. And we're going to dive into all of that with Mario Batero. He is the COO of Rosewater Energy. So Mario, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Oh, uh, thanks for having me.
0: Well, uh, this is a really exciting podcast. We're going to dive into uh, a lot of the uh, background uh, on Rosewater Energy Group. But uh, but Mario, let's start at the very beginning. What prompted the formation of Rosewater?
2: Well, Rosewater, actually, uh, Joe and I, along with our other partner, Marco, uh, we had invested in a battery company a long time ago. And investing in that company, we really sort of dug deep into this the whole energy business. And from there... We learned we learned a couple of things that were intriguing to us, and we we believe we saw an opportunity to develop a product that could really satisfy the high end uh, niche home market. Uh, so we started off by meeting up with uh, many components within that. So we met up with uh, with some of the builders. We met up with some of the uh, custom installers. And we even met with some utilities as well, and and we really understood what their dilemmas were. So the utilities, their issue was the aging infrastructure, uh, which every day only gets older. They can't replace it. Uh, So we learned some of the problems that they had, which results in generally poor quality of power that gets distributed uh, throughout the grid. Uh, From the integrators, we learned that the more houses automate, the more microprocessors there are. And microprocessors need clean power. So that became a a serious issue. And from the builders too, we also learned that the homeowners having power issues, although the homeowner doesn't realize it, they would see it through faults, through microprocessor faults. Like if there was a a sag or a surge, you know, you'd have issues with the items that were installed in the house so we realized the only way to deal with this was to create a power conditioning backup power uh, surge protector type unit and unlike what we saw out there we saw a lot of the other companies were basically working backwards so they would they would say you know what there's we need to sell a product but can only it can only cost 25 grand so what can we build for twenty five grand? Whereas we looked at it and we said, wait a second, we need to sell a product that's going to work. Mm-hmm. And what is that going to look like? So we we uh, hired some engineers. We you know it took us years. It took us about four and a half years before we finally had a product that we were comfortable with with selling. Uh, we went through a couple different engineering groups and a couple different manufacturers till we finally came across one we were extremely happy with they designed a product that did everything we needed to do then after that was done we said okay now what does it cost and when we saw the price points and we saw what it was doing and we saw what the other people were doing that were you know trying to sort of compete in that market space we realized what we had was actually uh, the only solution for that for the problems that all these people were having and the price point actually was very reasonable you know because if you try to build this yourself with different components, it actually would probably work out to more than what our unit costs were. So we were actually pretty happy, although the price was higher than everybody else, obviously, because of the all the components that we included in our box. We actually saw that it was actually a very reasonable price point. So we were pretty happy with that.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Joe, is there anything you want to add on to, uh, to Mario? I really want to add a couple of things because
1: it it's interesting when I, I look back, and obviously Mario and I talk all the time, and one of the things that in that four and a half year period of engineering and the first introduction, it was extremely difficult because we were the minority view Mm. as mario was pointing out people were building to price points people thought that the next generation of energy was going to be something where you had a solar panel and a battery and that was going to cure what the ills of the grid and you know it was from from the very beginning our perspective was I'm not sure that cures anything, and it may may be making the grid even worse, and I can't tell you how many meetings we sat in where it was like, what are you talking about? Everybody's going to have solar on the roofs, and the world is going to become a wonderful place, and you want a product that does solar plus all of these other things, because in our estimation, it was really the power quality issues that are going to play a significant role in the next generation of energy. And I have to say, too, one of the things that makes Mario and I a good team, Mario Marco and ourselves, is that we, despite all of the the majority view, really stuck to our guns. We really, we did the research, and we found, we believed we were correct. I mean, Mario, do you remember when we went to... uh, to the uh, to queen's university and we were yeah. you know you, you get to a point where you start to believe you're worried that you're believing your own stuff way too much and through some contacts that mario and marco had at queen's university in canada we actually commissioned a university study we we had three really smart kids trying to prove or disprove what we thought the future of energy would be and it was it was that depth of commitment that kept us going for a long, long time. Mm. And and I think as as Mario would point out, the uh, now it seems that the world is coming along to our point of view. So it was it's really fascinating. Uh, Mario really led the charge with the utilities. And when we were first sitting down, and and we were to them or they were talking to us about uh, renewables and and what they thought about it. I, I know I was fascinated. You want to just recount what what their view of, uh,
2: of renewables were and yeah, I think what, what happens what happened in general with the products that preceded us from other manufacturers was they the model actually storing power at your house and trying to turn that into a business doesn't actually make financial sense. So what they had to keep doing, these these other companies like LG and, you know, everyone else who was making a product, they had to keep adding fake uses, you know, like, oh, it's a time of this, or it's um, arbitrage, it's solar, it's uh, all these components. And from the utilities perspective, all those things did was muddy the waters for them because solar production is some of the poorest power quality that you can get. And then what happened the governments forced the utilities to have to buy all the solar power that was being produced off people's roofs. And the sol- and the, the utilities were not happy about that. So a lot of, a lot of what was being forced upon them was not For their benefit or for the consumer's benefit, because the power quality generally was poor. And one of the things that Joe and I see, Joe, our background, I mean, we're entrepreneurs, we have, we've, we run and have run successful businesses. And when we got into this industry, we noticed that a lot of the existing people who are in it, they live off subsidies. You know, they basically, it doesn't matter if this product doesn't work because the government's going to write us a check and in three years we'll be doing something else anyways because this thing that won't survive. Whereas we looked at it, we looked at Mm -hmm. it as how do we make this a real legitimate business? And one of the things that we saw early on too was that the people made the utilities the enemy and we never wanted the utility to be the enemy. Because you need the utility. Without the utility, you you have no grid. Without a grid, you have no street lights. You have, you know, you have no power <laughs> that's going to keep society going. So we want to work with the utilities. So part of part of our business model was actually being friendly with the utilities. And that was they actually told us one of the meetings we had with PJM, they were they were like basically like, wait a second we're not the bad guys <laughs> you know like everybody tells us we're the bad guys <laughs> like you guys actually you know want to work with us you know so it was interesting the way we the way we always approached it was how do we make this a legitimate viable business and it boiled down to having a product that at the end of the day people needed the homeowner needs a zero transfer time the homeowner needs power quality you know, so we provided those things. The utility needs widespread distribution because to build a hundred megawatt facility 500 miles away from where it's needed doesn't make sense because you lose the power lost you have in the lines and the traffic, the congestion of the lines and the quality of, of the infrastructure deteriorates from all that power. So the best way to do it is to have it localized in the actual end user's place. So we, we learned that as we studied it. And, and it really, it's we're seeing it now starting to pay off.
1: Everything we have done in all of our meetings, instead of taking an adversarial position, we took a position of, wait a minute, how does this work better for all of the players? I very specifically recall the meeting Mario brought up where the utility was actually shocked that we said, hey, no, this is a deal that, you know, this is an idea that works for everybody. No, you're not the enemy. I mean, one guy was just like, he went on for 10 minutes. He was stunned that that's what we're proposing. Right. And the same is true when we sat with builders. Yeah. Hey, we recognize your problem. How do we create a solution that makes sense, that solves your problem and it all leads to the same place and that is the satisfaction of the client. You know, there was no standing on a soapbox, uh, you know, we want all the oil companies to stop drilling or we want the nobody to charge electricity should be free. It It was really a position of, wait, what makes sense in the long run, which is why we are so focused on what does energy look like, not just tomorrow, but five years from now, 10 years from now. Because you can't hmm. to Mario's point, you can't just say, okay, we're gonna take down the grid. That's not gonna happen. We'd have we've had we'd <laughs> right. have society in chaos. So I, I think it, it is incredibly important, even when we when we talk to our system integrators and, and for those on this podcast who don't know what a system integrator is. Those are the guys who come into your house and take all of your systems and automate them. They're the ones who make your automated HVAC work, your automated shades, your automated lighting, all of your AV and communication. They're the guys who are the experts in making in automating all everything in your house and creating what modern day convenience is expected. And we spent a great deal of time mm-hmm. talking to them about, "Hey, what goes on in your client's mind, what are the dissatisfactions that your clients run into and what are the causes? Uh, and I think it is because of our entrepreneurial background that allowed us to look at it from wait a minute, there are problems out there that we believe we can solve and we believe we can solve them from a non-adversarial point of view. You know, from from Mario's point of view, I think, and I'd be curious to get some more input from him on this. I come from the sort of audio, video, automation world. All of my previous businesses have been involved there. Mario Mm -hmm. comes from building uh, not only his early career was in the restaurant business, but he's a, a, a developer. And I know it had to be interesting for Mario, I think, to walk into meetings with integrators just to see what this entire world looks like. And of course, now he's a part of it. I don't know, Mario, what were your thoughts when you met the first group of integrators and the stuff they were doing and the problems they saw?
2: Well, you know, it was it was interesting because they dealt in a world that was—I'm not going to say foreign—but in a world that was like people want what they want, and they price wasn't an issue. It's just they needed to get what they needed to get, and that's the one one of the things that really played to uh, our, one of our strengths. Ultimately, was designing the product based on what people ultimately needed you know so it was it, it was interesting meeting with those first with those first groups because it was an eye opener for sure it was an eye opener
0: you know i'll say that it's it's particularly interesting to me that you didn't take that adversarial type view towards um, you know, towards the utilities and, 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 you know, towards the grid and, th- you know, things like that because I think it would have been really easy for you guys to go into this with an us-against-the-world type mentality, right? When you have the minority view, that tends to be the way that people view things, but you guys didn't take that viewpoint and I think it's been to your benefit, right?
1: I, I think it has been a key advantage. Yeah. It is, it is that attitude that allows us to really bring out real thoughts from people. Uh, mm. Because you know, as and Mario who's very skilled at this, when we are meeting as an adversary, nobody's gonna tell you the truth. Everybody's defenses are up. Right. You know, everybody's gonna take a you know, draw a line in the sand and you know, stick out their jaw and just but that's that's never that's never been our position. And I, I think I know I, I tend to sometimes get Overly passionate, and and Mario's. At, fortunately, when I'm that, Mario's the rock in this, and he has been uh, he has been particularly good in this, making sure that we are always in a position of how do we create. And I hate to use the cliche win-win, but how do we create the best situation for all parties involved? Yeah. So I think Tyler, to your point, it has been extremely advantageous to us, and I think has has led to our to where we are today. To, you know, now we have people really looking at our product and looking at our—it's more than our product. They are looking at what we do, what we represent, and go, "Wait a minute, that's actually what we need." Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, from uh, again, from my point of view, it is that openness that was really, really the the underpinning for what Rosewater does. It is always. Yeah. Uh, Mario uses a phrase. All the time, and the phrase is a very simple one. It is think it through, mm-hmm. and if you look at it now, and Mario, maybe you can expound on what you mean here. But you know that to me has been the underpinning of rosewater.
2: Well, we've always had the long-term approach. Uh, you know, it's always interesting, uh, and I, and I think for me personally, I, it's one of the things I've learned from real estate. We develop, you know, developing real estate. It can take a long time. Like short term in real estate is three or four years. Uh, average is probably seven years, and a long term project could be twenty years. So when when we started this business off, it was never like, oh, we needed to hit a home run in our first year; otherwise, we go broke. No, we were well funded. We, I mean, we were using our own money, so we were well funded, and we understood it took time to build to build something because something that's a, a real bona fide legitimate company doesn't just happen overnight. It, you know, you have to build it up. You have to, you have to have people have to be confident in your abilities. You know, you have to be networking. You have to be getting out there. You know, we constantly, when we go to our shows, we're constantly listening to the feedback from the people that we're talking to because sometimes people who sometimes people who aren't involved have really good ideas, you know, because it's something like we, when you're so involved in something, you sometimes don't look at it from every angle because you're used you to, you start to put the blinders on a little bit and you start to focus on certain right. things. So we'll talk to people and they'll say something and it will be like, wow, you know, I didn't think about that. And, and the next, you know, the next year we've implemented that idea. You know, we'll go back, we redesign some certain things. So we're always looking to improve it. We're always, you know, we're always doing what we got to do, understanding that, you know, it's it's a long term project where we're still at the early stages of where this company is going to ultimately be, and it's an exciting time. I mean, we're you know our sales are coming in uh, consistently now, constantly getting calls on it. Uh, we've developed ourselves to the point where people are calling us that we don't know, you know, and that's awesome because that means word's getting around, and that's exciting for us.
0: Definitely. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Mario, you mentioned just all the different people that you guys met with at the outset. You met with utilities, you met with system integrators, you met with builders. Um and then you also analyzed data and you looked at all of the underlying numbers. What were some of the primary conclusions and and what did you find from doing your due diligence by speaking to all these groups and doing the research yourself?
2: Well, we found out what exactly the product needed to look like, you know. So from that once we understood what the product needed to do, then it was from there we needed to find the entities that would be the manufacturer, the, the engineering company, the manufacturing company. Uh, so we got out to do that. Then we started to, you know, putting putting pricing together, and then we went back to the builders and this and the uh, system integrators, and with some numbers saying, "Hey, this is what it's looking like." And I, I'll be honest with you, I don't think there was anybody that's ever said, uh, yeah, no, doesn't work. It's too much money. You know, it was, it was basically like, okay, what does it do? This is what it does. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what I needed to do. You know? <laughs> so it honestly it was that simple, so, you know, from that perspective, it was like, yeah, that's what we needed to do. We always looked at it from, Satisfying the the customer. The customer needs to be happy. If the customer's happy, the builder's happy. If the builder's happy, the system integrator's happy. Like if they're everybody's happy after that. Because one of our installations, and uh, I want to say it's uh, in in the Hamptons. Their installer, before he installed our product, he had service. He had a, he monitored for a year of service calls. After he installed our product, his service calls went down like eighty five percent. Wow, you know, and that's amazing because that yeah. means the homeowner's happy, and if the homeowner's happy, he's going to easily be more likely to recommend that guy to his friends, and you know, like every every everybody wins from that. You know, it's a it's the perfect situation.
1: Yeah, I think it is important to understand that what we learned we learned by listening, and mm-hmm. and certainly Mario's point about you know people who are on the outside sometimes because they are. They can see the forest for the trees as opposed to being in the forest. They really do come up with excellent thoughts. We continue to learn that the being the allies rather than the adversaries is really critical to success. We learned certainly that all of the attempts that had been out there by the people who preceded us in with battery storage or with solar integrations, they essentially produce incomplete products. And from our point of view, produce a a product that is missing a key element for the future of power, and and that is power quality.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: We've really staked our reputation on the power quality as well as everything else we do, but power quality is a mainstay of our product. And it is because we listened, it is because we understand that we ended up taking that route the other thing we heard that I, I think is important, and Mario alluded to it in, in a number of times during this podcast, is that people want quality. Mm. Other manufacturers have rushed to judgment saying, I, I, I have to hit a price point. Nobody will spend more than this. Well, none of that's true. People will buy and spend if they think the value is there. And that's another one of our Guiding principles is we create value, not price points, and I think that's been a valuable lesson for us. So that's that's what I would add to it.
0: That's a that's a really really great point. That's a really great point. So. Uh- Mario, you heard Joe there talk about how um, listening was, was what came first, but also I, I think there's an aspect of everything that you do at Rosewater Energy and that, that requires some education of, of people, right? You have to then explain what the solutions are and what the better way forward is, right? So how have you taken a dive into education and really begun to share with people exactly what Rosewater Energy is about? Tell me a little bit more about those efforts.
2: Well, actually, I think Joe probably answered that question better because he's the guy who's doing all the seminars and
0: everything.
1: (laughs) To your point, Tyler, it is really an educational process. You know, first thing you have to do is overcome all of the noise and misinformation that's in the marketplace. Right. And and that's always you know it's it's like you're starting out in a hole because people have made or have all of these notions that are essentially incomplete thoughts. So it's all of a sudden going, well, wait, wait, wait. That's only part, and we have been very, very active in becoming citizens of a community. For instance, in the world of system integrators, we have worked hard to be citizens of the community where people can rely on what we say. We pride ourselves on our availability to our system integrators and their clients, and not availability from a strictly sales point of view, but availability from an intelligent design and engineering point of view. Mario Marco and I would never want to sell a product if it wasn't right for the job. That's Mm -hmm. not something we would do. But we will go out of our way to help educate our integrators. And if an integrator comes to me with, hey, I have this potential, what do you think? And And if I think it's wrong, not only will I talk to the integrator and explain the thought process, but I will say, look, do your client a favor. That's not what they're interested in. Do not recommend this. And in fact, many times I will give them a different product recommendation based on what they want to do. So it is that we're a trusted partner. I don't know that I could say it any better. We work hard to be a citizen of a community to become a trusted partner. It is not, you know, Mario outlined it in the beginning when we started this business. It wasn't, oh, if we don't make it in the first year, we're done, we have to be, essentially take the robber baron attitude. No. We are here to build a business. We are here to build, to earn a membership in a community, to earn a trusted position. And right. and that takes time. It takes a lot of time, a lot of marketing, a lot of participation, you know, giving talks, participating on panels, meeting with as many people as we can one-on-one, and not closing our doors to anybody.
0: Hmm.
1: So I, I think that's the best way I can characterize in a few words just what it takes to establish what we have done in the marketing, because it is, it's more than buying ads. It's more than, you know, it, it is doing what we're doing here. It is, is giving informational podcasts. It is all of those things that go into truly marketing.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, uh, guys, as we start to uh, wrap things up for today, I know thirty minutes flies by when you're having a good conversation and enjoying the heck out of it. But Mario, do you have any closing thoughts or anything you want to leave people with today, just in conclusion, as we uh, as we wrap up our podcast today?
2: Well, listen, I we've been doing this for I don't know about six years now uh, in terms of uh, getting out there talking to people. I just hope that uh, people are seeing that. We are there for them in the sales process. We are there for them in the installation process. We are there for them uh, after service. We are there for them it, speaking to the household, the owner, if, if we need to. And we build a quality product. Our first our first unit that was installed was roughly five years ago. And we have had, if I'm not mistaken, Joe, you can correct me, we have had zero service calls on that unit. Zero. Zero. You know, and we've had no, no failures on that unit and it's been in the field for almost five years now. And, and so I just want people to understand that's the kind of, that's the kind of product we bring to the table is we specifically stepped in to design the best product we could. And we, and we believe we did that and you can see it by, by our happy customer rate. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> you know, so.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Joe, anything you want to wrap up with here today?
1: Well, first thing I want to do is thank my partner Mario for appearing on the podca- podcast. It is uh, always a pleasure to have Mario participate in these. And I would say that to wrap it up, the next generation of energy will include a product that looks exactly like a rosewater product and function because it is truly the future.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I am excited for the future and excited to have guys like you shaping the future of what energy is going to look like, shaping the next, genera- ge- next generation of energy, let's say. So Joe Picarilli and Mario Batero, guys, thank you so much for joining us here on The Next Generation of Energy, a podcast from Rosewater Energy Group. Thank you, Tyler.
1: Thank you, Tyler.
0: And everyone, thank you for joining us for this episode of the program. We appreciate you being along with us very much. Of course, if you missed any of the previous episodes of the podcast, make sure you go back and listen to those. You can find them on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And while you're there, make sure you subscribe to stay up to date with all things rosewater energy. And of course, we'll be back soon with more episodes of the podcast. But until then, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks for listening.